The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are your analysis team here for Big Blue View. We are currently in training camp, meaning we don't really exactly get to see everything that's going on, but there has been some more immediate availability this past week. There also have been some roster moves that have gone on a number of which are intriguing. Some are just some small, minute competition-based things. We're going to cover all of these moves as well as the, the biggest headline already coming out of training camp that came out on Monday. Chris, this first move that we want to hit on is one that I don't know if we want to say I told you so, but we pretty much predicted this was going to happen. We hinted that the Giants were going to take a look, a significant look at Graham Gano, the former kicker for the Carolina Panthers, who was recently released by the Panthers. And we were saying that with the Giants kicking situation, they were likely going to make some type of an effort to bring him in. Now, we weren't entirely sure if they were going to just straight up get rid of Chandler Catanzaro, but now Graham Gano is the kicker for the New York Giants. Barring any complete meltdown during training camp, I would bet that would be very unlikely, but it seems like Gano is the guy for this upcoming season. Yeah, this was, I think, one of the moves. We weren't absolutely 100% sure it was going to happen, but it seemed like pretty close that this was something that was going to happen. We kind of all saw this coming, I think. Catanzaro, he had retired last year because he was struggling. He just hasn't been a reliable kicker. And if there's one thing you need that at that position, it's reliability. You know, even more than a strong leg, because it doesn't matter if you can kick a 75-yard field goal if you can't reliably hit from 40 yards. And that's one thing Graham Gano has been. He has been a reliable kicker. He does have the ability to be a weapon on special teams and kind of extend the Giants' scoring range. And also, he has a prior relationship with the special team staff and with Dave Gettleman. Yeah, you know, they know him. They know how he prepares. They know 
how he is during a game, how short his memory can be. So really, it just makes all kinds of sense. The Giants are getting a guy who has played in the NFL for 10 years, two different teams, the Washington football team and also the Carolina Panthers. Uh, In those 10 years, he has played in 134 career games, 82.1% on field goals, and then 95.3% on PAT. So it's safe to say not only is Gano consistent, that 82% mark is not the best in the NFL, but still a very, very good percentage, especially that 95.3% on PATs. He is a very, very consistent kicker. But I think the the big thing here with this move was instead of going with a guy who retired after missing PATs during preseason games with the Jets, they might as well have gone with Gano, who they, like you said, are much more familiar with. I, I would just chalk this up as they went with whoever they deemed the best available at the time being Cat and Zero, and then once Gano became available, they just decided to go with Gano. This is something that happens all the time. There's constant shuffling when you have an unsettled kicking situation. Until you find that guy, it tends to be a lot of moving around. The, the specialist world in the NFL is a lot of in and out. If you remember during free agency, before they signed Casey Kreider at long snapper, the Giants had three guys on roster at long snapper and then cut two of them to get down to just Casey Kreider. They had Colin Holba and uh, Drew Harris, I believe, was the other guy. So the teams are very willing to bring in a lot of guys and then cut them inexplicably without much time to really prove themselves because you need to stick with one player. So it's just a typical... Uh, approach to just shuffling guys in and out. Heck, if Gano does poorly in the first week or so, don't be surprised if they decided to bring somebody in to compete with him. Yeah, or at the very least, start having workouts after the first week when contracts are no veteran contracts are no longer really guaranteed and are kind of more week to week. I wouldn't be surprised if Gano shanks a couple against Pittsburgh if they start bringing guys in and working them out and really seeing what their options are. They might not move on from him immediately, but kickers are generally on a short leash unless they have earned themselves a lot of rope. Right. It's not like a a receiver who's dropping a lot of balls and you say, all right, we're going to put the rookie in who's behind you for this next game because you're struggling. No, this is the case where you have one guy on the roster and if he's struggling, it's just the way it is. You have to cut him. Well, Gano, though, we're hoping is going to be the consistent guy to essentially replace Aldrich Rosas, the former second-team All-Pro kicker and Pro Bowl kicker for the Giants, who's no longer with the team after a legal issue that he was dealing with related to a DUI. The other signing and roster move that we have here is the Giants' addition of, and Chris, you you could probably have guessed this, if, I, if you had no clue who this signing was, if I said, Chris, who do you think, what position do you think Dave Gettleman went out of his way to add to the roster, you could probably guess it was a defensive tackle. It was defensive tackle Dalen Mack, former fifth-round pick out of Texas A&M. He has not really done much in the NFL. He's only been uh, out of college for a year. It just begs the question now, well, where does he fit into this competition? Because the Giants are very top-heavy with a lot of young, talented guys, plus Leonard Williams, and then some of these back-end guys like McIntosh and Slayton, who now I think Mac will be competing with. That's what I'm anticipating as well, that 
Mack will probably be in competition with for a roster spot with RJ McIntosh and Chris Slayton. He's a fifth round pick, but I think he's a fifth round, a former fifth round pick with upside. Yeah, I liked him when I watched his tape before last year's draft. At the time, he I and I wrote this in our in my scouting report of him. He looks like a Giants defensive tackle. He is a big wide body defensive tackle. He's only six foot one, but he weighs in somewhere between 330 and 340. He was still able to run a 5-1 40 yard dash, 5.1 second 40 yard dash, which at that size is kind of insane. And even though he doesn't have much, much of a range within his range, I thought he had a, he has very good quickness. He has a legitimate first step and he has a ton of power. There was a an anecdote from his time at Texas A&M where when he got there, they their strength and conditioning department had to order new barbells because he he was putting so much weight on the ones they had just to challenge himself that they were bending. Not the kind of bend where it flexes back as soon as you rack it again. He was he was breaking barbells apparently. So he has a ton of power. And that is exactly the kind of defensive tackle the Giants love. You know, they drafted that with Linval Joseph, with Jonathan Hankins, with Dalvin Tomlinson, Marvin, Olsen, Marvin Austin also, even though his career didn't last all that long. And again, most recently with Dexter Lawrence. So time and again, he, they just love those big dancing bear, dancing elephant <laughs> defensive tackles. So this is another one where it really shouldn't be a surprise. Now, I think he'll probably wind up playing more of the uh, zero one technique nose tackle. But I think if he leans out a little bit, he could move around the defensive line some. Maybe n- not play defensive end, but three technique, maybe a four eye technique, you know, out by an offensive tackle, but shaded into the B gap. But as it stands right now, I'm just, I'm expecting him to be in competition for the, I, I can't believe I'm saying the sixth defensive tackle spot. And he'll be looking to push McIntosh and Slayton off the roster. For any of our listeners that are still saying to themselves, well, who the heck is Dalen Mack still after that tremendous explanation that you just gave Chris and that wonderful anecdote of him breaking barbells? If, if you're still saying, well, how good is this guy? Why should we be paying attention to him? Well, in the NFL draft analysis community, Mack was considered to be a very high upside guy that was drafted in the fifth round. Some people deemed him as a player that in a couple of years could turn out to be a really good defensive tackle. He ended up bouncing around a few rosters. Now he is with a completely new team. So th- this is a guy that is talented, has talent, and if he can be tapped into it, he could turn into a good rotational player. For this case, I consider it to be low risk, decently high reward. Not super high, but there is a, a, a somewhat of a reward to come out of it if they hit on Dalen Mack. If not, they just cut him and move on from him like some of these other teams have done. It's just a matter of Dave Gettleman probably being intrigued by him as a prospect seeing his name available or someone in the scouting department saying, hey, Dalen Mack is available. Uh, Dave, do you want to make a move for this guy? And he said, well, he's talented enough to at least let him come in and compete. At the very least, maybe he'll inspire some of these other guys 
in the back end of that defensive tackle room to get their stuff together, like RJ McIntosh, who many consider to be on the roster bubble, like Chris Slayton, who has also shown to be on the roster bubble. It really is just a ploy that does not have a lot of risks to it. Yeah, and honestly, if there's one thing Dave Gettleman's history as an executive, as a general manager has shown, he loves defensive tackles. He drafts and signs them at a higher rate than pretty much any other position. And he just loves to collect them. Really, this isn't a surprising move to me, like, at all. And honestly, even if the numbers game doesn't work out and Mac doesn't make the final roster, I would pretty much assume that he's going to land on the practice squad. So we've got another signing, that being CJ Board, and we have something fun we want to talk about to wrap up today's show. Before we get to those two things, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Like I've already said, the Giants claimed C.J. Board this past week. At the end of last week was when they brought him in. If you're wondering who C.J. Board is, well, he is a former receiver from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Uh, at the FCS level is where he played. He's mostly been a practice squad player in the NFL, has not really clung to a roster. The most amount of time he has really spent and also contributed was with the Jacksonville Jaguars and in his career has only played in four games with two receptions for 31 yards. So this is not a guy that is coming in with tremendous production. He was a casualty of the Jaguars adding some offensive weapons and deciding to move on from him, but the Giants are getting a guy who is very, very fast, has very, very good short area quickness from his testing. What we need to now consider here, Chris, is how does this hurt the chances of the other receivers on the roster? Because it seems like we have a whole laundry list of maybes and what ifs that have not really 
solidified themselves as locks to be that final receiver. Yeah, and the Giants have a ton of receivers on the back end of their roster. We counted them up before we started recording. They have seven receivers who are either undrafted free agent rookies or or second-year players who were undrafted free agents at the wide receiver position. And I think they're all kind of in a scrum for that six receiver spot board. I think he does kind of move to the, to the head of the line because he does have that speed. I believe it's either low four, four or somewhere in the four, three speed. He's got it just about a 40 inch vertical. He had an 11 foot broad jump. So he's got the explosiveness. He's got short area quickness and he does have, experience as a returner he did quite a bit of return work in college and i believe he had about a 10 yard average on punt returns which is pretty good so if he can show that ability on special teams if he can be a spark as a punt returner i think that kind of puts him ahead and the fact that he has played in an nfl game that i think kind of puts him ahead of the guys like Tony Brown, Derek Dillon, Austin Mack, uh, Benjamin Victor, you know, all of these guys that are fighting for one spot. And whoever gets that spot is probably going to be a special teams contributor first. Right. There's so many heads now with all of these players competing and vying for that spot. And we had previously discussed on the last show before the one with, with Dan Bazuda how there is a competition between these UDFAs, between Mac, Victor, uh, and Dylan, and, and some of the other names we didn't mention as that sixth guy, like you just said, as a special teamer. Now Board comes into the mix, who ran a 4-4-2, very, very fast, very good short area quickness from his testing, like I've said. I, it's almost as if this, this, this move does not really show us any clarity. The one thing with... CJ Board, I will say, is that he does bring a little bit more experience. Even though he's only played in four games, he's been in the NFL for more years than most guys that are on this list of available receivers that the Giants have. So that that might be his one leg up in this in this fight to make the Giants roster. Chris, the the last thing I want to cover here, and and this was a fun headline, also sparked a little bit of controversy on uh, Undisputed. All already getting comments from. Shannon Sharp, of course. So uh, at practice yesterday, it was noticed that coaches and players were being told to run laps for their mistakes. And Joe Judge uh, came out saying that that is just a, a matter of, of the action related to consequences. So if, if you make a mistake, guys are going to have to run laps. Guys are not going to uh, just get away scot-free um, if they make mistakes. Now, not every team does this teams have their own ways of providing consequences for making mistakes during practice the real question is now sending everybody to run laps chris do you think this will actually last is this something that he's going to do every single practice or is this just a training camp thing to get in everybody's head i would say i hope not i hope this isn't a thing he's doing on yeah tuesday in october you know where if a player drops a ball, drops a handoff, 
maybe doesn't take the correct number of steps in a route or some something like that he doesn't get told to go run laps i hope this is just something to get guys attention and make sure they're paying attention to details if it doesn't end well shannon sharp basically said you know it's not going to end well and that's something we have kind of seen before with the giants when tom coughlin first came to town you know he was very very particular about everything and he would hit guys in the wallet hard uh michael strahan would tell stories about how many fines he had to pay for just being on time not being early and eventually that does kind of wear on guys where you're you hope that there being immediate consequences for not doing something exactly the way coach wants it to would uh help instill discipline and the attention to detail and a desire to do things the right way. But eventually it just kind of wears on you and you just kind of say, you know, what's the point of it all? You know, even if I'm trying hard and there's something I don't quite get, I'm, I'm just running. So, you know, why should I keep putting in the effort? But for right now, I think it's really more of a fun, uh, I won't say fun, but humorous training camp thing. Right. And I I think it's also an effort to just set the tone. I don't think this is something that's going to be consistent. I don't think it'll be week 10 and you're sending guys to run laps. This is a little bit of a a college-esque thing because you can't find college players. I've been places and also heard from different guys that have played at the Division I level who have told, told me not horror stories, just but bad examples of coaches not knowing how to properly gain respect from players. And I, I think that the negative way and the improper way to gain respect is not having rules and guidelines set into place. So being inconsistent with disciplining guys, and that's what leads to a lot of lashback, uh, backlash rather, from players who disagree with coaches and saying like, well, you made this guy do this and you made me do that. So where's the line? Where do we draw it? I would consider this not too bad because if you make a mistake, you should be held accountable for it. I think that it gets obnoxious trying to go too much with fining and you can only really fine for doing various things like being late for meetings or late to show up to the facility for the time that you are asked to be there. I think that this is just something simple to keep everybody in line to prevent them from making mistakes. It almost makes me think of more of like a a drill sergeant approach to getting everybody in line. Once everybody says themselves, I can't make this mistake because I don't want to have to go run again. Sometimes, like you said, it can have a negative impact, but it just has that, that army um, military type uh, sense to it, which is really not too surprising getting that from Joe judge. Yeah. Now the the one thing I would hope, and it's something that we can't really confirm because right now, all we have are the words of beat reporters who got to see practice from a not very good angle and didn't get to see a whole lot. And that is, I really hope the mistakes are being addressed behind the scenes that coaches are going to the players or, you know, the, 
senior coaching staff is going to the the position coaches and say, you know, this is what we want. This is why it was a mistake. Here's how to do it properly. That the mistakes are being addressed, they're being corrected, and guys are being taught because they didn't have a normal install period. They had Zoom meetings, and I, I, I think we've all learned those are, we'll say, somewhat limited in what they can accomplish. You know, they didn't have mini camp. They didn't have OTAs. They didn't even really have a normal training camp. This is only the second day of padded practices as we're recording this. Normally, we'd be in our second or third week of preseason by now. So mistakes are going to happen. You just have to hope that the coaches are, yes, they're getting guys' attentions, but they're also addressing and really being using them as opportunities to be constructive. Because I think we've all had you know, bad teachers, bad coaches, bad trainers, whatever, who really don't take those opportunities to use mistakes as teaching moments. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Chris and Joe Show. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at Raptor MKII. And also follow our main page at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Also go to BigBlueView.com for more New York Giants analysis and news.